Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A good beginning is everything. Everything to a novel, to a story, to a movie. I'll name the opening line. Let's see if you can name the novel, the book. Call me Ishmael. Moby Dick. Marley was dead. Christmas Carol. Here is Edward Bear. Winnie the Pooh. Throw one out for the kids. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Tale of Two Cities. Another one. In a great green room, there was a telephone and a red balloon and a picture of a cow jumping over the moon. Good night, moon. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible. Now, kind of a little bit of an underwhelming beginning, maybe. In the beginning, God created. But the opening sentence set up an important point without which the rest of the Bible actually falls apart. In the beginning, nothing before. There is nothing of creation before this moment. God. Only God is eternal. Only God is before the beginning. And it is God who created. Created out of nothing. No Big Bang that miraculously blows up and and creates order. No evolution. God created all that exists, all that we know. And there are important implications to that beginning. There is perfect design. He, God, made us. And all that is, and all that is, is the way that he intended. Perfect. Perfect by design. In perfect harmony with itself and with God. There's love. God loves his creation. It matters to him because he made it. We matter to him. How we use creation matters to him. God loves the world. He loves the world because he owns the world. There's that ownership. And since we matter, because God made us, it's God who makes the rules. It does belong to him, right? He made it. He's the one who sets the rules, the boundaries, the order that exists in creation. And so we come to today's reading, in which there are already rules. 
Well, we read about the fall from Genesis 3, which really also doesn't matter, sin doesn't matter, without God having created. But God created in perfect order. If you remember from, from Genesis chapter 2, we, we have all of the Garden of Eden and how many trees were specifically called out in the garden. Two, excellent. There, there are two trees that are specifically named. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sometimes we forget about the tree of life. So we have these trees in the garden, and then there's the serpent. The serpent. You know, there's no actually a mention of when he actually became evil. No mention of when Satan first fell from being a good angel. He just enters in Genesis chapter 3. We don't actually even know exactly after creation when the fall happened. Do you know Martin Luther's guess? Do you know when he thought the fall happened? Day seven. He he really didn't have much faith in us. He said, we screwed it up the next day. And, and, And maybe we did. What we do know is that they eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they instantly know. They they understand. But the challenge is that they can't deal with that knowledge. They can't overcome that evil. But they know. They know what they've done. They're hiding. They're ashamed. But in some way, the the issue, the problem had already begun before that moment, the moment before they took the bite, when Satan comes and he says, did God really say? Did God really say you couldn't eat of any tree in the garden? Did God actually say that? No. He just said they couldn't eat of that tree. But all of a sudden, as they're thinking, and they're a little confused, what's actually entered into creation is doubt. They're doubting. They're doubting God's lordship. Is God in charge? Is it God who makes the rules? Did God really say? They're doubting God's lordship and God's word. Did God really say this? And why? That they're doubting God's intentions. Does God really want what's best for you? Oh, no. No, no. He knows that this will be a problem if you know that. God doesn't want what's best for you. God's keeping something from you. 
And those same struggles still haunt us today. Did God really say that? So many people approach the Bible not as God's word, but a a collection of people's thoughts and imaginations about God. That's not God's word. It's just a bunch of people who wrote some things about a God. Did God really? Did God really create? Theory of evolution and so much of modern thinking takes out God from from any of the picture. There is no God. And if God didn't make it, there's no rules, certainly not his rules. And so what do we see today? I do what's right for me. And you do what's right for you, but but don't impose your rules on me, right? We all just do what's right for us, which is exactly from the Old Testament what the book of Judges actually concludes. The last words of the book of Judges are, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. A beautiful summary of sin. If God is not in charge, I know what is best, and I do what I think I should do. And so Adam and Eve are cast out of the garden. Why? Well, because they're no longer perfect. They can't walk and dwell and talk in God's perfect presence anymore. And they also can't eat of the tree of life. Not when they're imperfect. Not when they're no longer in harmony with God. They can't live forever with God being broken and sinful and imperfect. But also notice, notice what God doesn't do. God doesn't destroy them. Quite the opposite. He makes clothes to allow them to to cover their shame. And more importantly, the rest of the story, the rest of the Bible, is about God fixing their rebellion and its consequences. There is a plan. There's a plan from the very beginning that God works out throughout the entire Old Testament that culminates in Jesus, perfectly God, perfect man. Jesus lives that perfect life that we were meant to live. He lives in perfect harmony with creation. He loves, he heals, he restores. And he dies. He's not supposed to die. Death came through sin. Jesus took on our sin and dies. And he dies. 
at the hands of his own creation on a tree of sorts. God's perfect creation is fashioned into a cross that was not pretty. It was a form of capital punishment. This tree was used to punish and kill. Jesus was punished and killed, dying the death that we deserved, punished for our sins, for the times that we all have listened to the deceiver. But it is finished. The price has been paid. The dividing wall of sin has been destroyed. And Jesus is victorious. Opening again that relationship with God. And that we would be able to dwell in his house forever. The entire rest of the New Testament explains now what our new life looks like. It finishes with revelation. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself and destroy my last sermon in this series, but I do want you to notice that in the end, we are so often tempted to think that the Bible is 66 kind of individual books all kind of shoved together, but it's actually one story. It has beautiful symmetry. It ends at the beginning. Everything as God intended it when he created it at the beginning. From Revelation, the last chapter. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. Remember the tree of life? The tree of life from the beginning, the tree of life that when we eat of that, we live forever. Now through Jesus, we have access again to that tree of life. The promise that we will no longer need sun, for God gives us his light. No hot, no cold, no suffering, no sin, no death, no imperfection, only everything as God intended and made it from the beginning. And the rest of the book, the rest of Scripture, the rest of what we're going to cover in this series and all of that middle part from past Genesis through Revelation is God continuing to fix his creation as he keeps working out his plan of salvation through us and so often in spite of us. He is the one that keeps reteaching and leading and guiding us. Scripture is the account of him defeating sin, death, and the devil. It's a wonderful account. 
I'd like to invite you to take that deeper dive into the Bible this summer. Join us for worship. Join us at 10 in the fellowship hall for an even deeper dive into the reading each week. Because this book, the Bible, is God's story of what he has done for you and for the world. And this book is also your story. Because the Bible is about your forgiveness, your salvation, your guide as we live together as redeemed children of God. May you find that joy in hearing what God has and continues to do for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.